Luke, we got a great show today. We do. We have a good show for the kids. We have a show that took us two and a half hours to record because we don't know when to stop. And we don't. Luke's like, I'm so tired. I was like, one more question. <laughs> he one goes, I, more. Wa- I wanted to keep going, but my body was like, oh, sir, please, good sir. Please. Okay. Oh, good sir. You just you just came out of a stomach virus. How dare you? Yeah, I think you may have forgotten that we turned thirty six last week. Uh, you can't keep doing this for the love of all that's good. You can't keep doing this. Hey, both your brain and me forgot it was your birthday last week. No, it's fine, Luke. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, listen. Don't worry about it. I still haven't gotten you your book, so that's okay. Some a parishioner did, so yeah. you're off the hook. We're all even. Okay, let's uh, start this over. Hey, ladies no, and this gentlemen. Is funny. This is funny. It works. Oh, gosh, this is a train wreck. <laughs> Such is our show, my friends. Such, Such is it. our show. Well played. Well played. So today we answer a whole bunch of topics. Ten minutes, eh, that's a good title. But it, maybe if you average them all out, it's ten minutes. But we go a little bit long here. So, yeah, um, we used to have a thing back back in the day where we would do a listener questions, and we would try to keep it to, we keep our answers to about ten minutes. And that's that rule's kind of gone by the, the wayside, but it's got brand equity. So here we are. <laughs> we have this uh, ten minute topic episodes, but we also have three great sponsors. We want to uh, bring to everyone's attention, right, Luke? Yes, we want to give a big thank you to these to our sponsors for today. One is the show from our good friend Edmund um, Edmund Mitchell, his awesome podcast. We'll, we'll be talking about that it's at some point in time. Our good, good friends at Catholic Match, they are back again. Uh, and who's the third one, Gormley? Adore Ministries. Adore's back. Our good, dear friends from Adore. Yep, they sure are. We stand by our t- decisions. We do. With we do. Though. There it is. So, and this, and uh, before we go, just so you guys know, we're about to fly to Atlanta tomorrow to record with our good friend Matt Frad. We're going to be on the Matt Frad show. Very excited about that. I'm just pumped to hang out with Matt. I yeah. love hanging out with Matt. Yeah, it's going to um, be awesome. Yeah, so pumped to do that. Uh, we've got a live show coming up in March on March the fourth. He says in Dallas, we're doing a a. Theology on Tap out there, and then we'll be in San Diego in April, possibly going to book a thing for May, and then we'll be in Alaska in June, I think, and a few other dates in the fall. So those things are starting to fill, starting to get some stuff set in stone. So if you are if you are interested in having us come out to do a show slash talk slash just uh, hang out, please let me know over at uh, catchingfoxes.fm and check out the link book a show over it's a tab actually on top so uh again thank you to everyone who is going to bring us out because this is so cool we're very excited about it and here's our show guys hope you enjoyed i actually really liked this episode it was fun to record but it was exhausting oh yeah no we 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 have no self-control what whatsoever none (laughs) it's like it's it's i was supposed to leave this bar at like uh 9 30 end up staying till 10 Actually, I was going to leave at 9, then 9.30, and then 10. <laughs> but I started to talk about the podcast to this um, a nice girl named Mary and Laura. So hi, Mary and Laura, if you guys are listening. Thank you. And if you guys aren't, you're dead to me. I use my ministry to support, to support my side job. Is that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> we all do, Luke. We all do. 
So how did your ordeal go? What's my ordeal? You were in a lockdown thing, man. Oh yeah. So that so this is really funny. Lockdown, blockdown. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. So um, <laughs> funny. A bank got robbed. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't been able to go to mass, uh, morning mass, because in a lot for a handful of different reasons. But the main you one don't being, care. I don't care. And um, I try to have coffee with my wife in the morning. That's my priority because sometimes I don't get to see her. And this is going to come up in our 10-minute topics today. I don't get to see her until the very end of the day when we're both done. You know what I mean? And I'm done and she's done. And so one of the big things is in the morning, we have coffee together. So I don't care if I can't go to mass, daily mass, because I'm living out my primary vocation. Right. So I get to work at 7 a.m., which I never do. So I went to 9 o'clock mass. My church has a kind of a late morning mass, 9 a.m. And I was so excited. I had this book called Living the Mysteries. It's about the church fathers, written by, I think, Mike Aquilina. And I'm sitting down, taking a deep breath. I'm enjoying the readings, the meditations right before mass. And then all the school kids come in. And I'm like, oh, it's a school mass. I forgot. The worst. The worst. And so (laughs) it's not that bad. But whatever. You know, it's 500 school kids. So they're doing the school mass and school mass homilies, you know, and all that stuff. (laughs) I repeat, the worst. (laughs) So I come back from communion. I'm kneeling and I'm praying. And I see out of the corner of my eye. This woman cutting into the pew and then cutting right over to me. So I turn and look at her, and she leans down. She goes, hey, I saw you since you're a parish staff employee. You should know we're on lockdown. No one is allowed to enter or exit the building. And I just went, oh, it's already an hour-long <laughs> mass because it's a school <laughs> mass. No, and it was a school mass. Yeah. <laughs> So I, yeah, that was a weird laugh I just did. So I, uh, I'm like, oh man. And then after communion, the <laughs> the sacristan comes up to me. He's like, hey, um, since you're a staff employee, can you help guard the doors? <laughs> can you die first? <laughs> and I said, yes, I will lay down my life for you. So I walk out into the narthex, and sure enough, there's like five pair of staff workers who are like, sorry, adults, sorry. So then Father Tom had to do an after mass announcement and all this stuff. I'm like, what is going on? So I found out that about a quarter of a mile away, there's, you know, grocery store and a Chase Bank. And someone robbed the Chase Bank and then had a getaway and then went past our church, I think, and then robbed another bank. And then we think they got caught. But the sheriff called the lockdown. So uh, and then what happened was someone in our parking lot noticed a suspicious car. And then the part of the investigation was like, is it these guys? So we were like on double lockdown, <laughs> but it only lasted like 20 minutes because then the, another bank was robbed further away from us. And then I think they caught the guys. So, but it was so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. I was like, well, now it's 1030. That's what happens when you go to mass. <laughs> That's what you get. You say to yourself, is that because an African priest was giving the homily? Nope. School mass. <laughs> Uh, no comment um <laughs> african priest the most intense homilies you'll ever hear i know 35 minutes long for a short one <laughs> also the probably the holiest ones because they actually believe in jesus Who? <sighs> i'm sorry i'm not sure who you speak of oh that guy from all the weird hippie stuff yeah i got nothing against him 
Hey, man, uh, can I talk to you about our one of our buddies? Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, Luke, you freaking cannot. Let's you say, cannot. If you see the bloopers from the movies, you know people screw up sometimes. Take two. <laughs> hey, man, can I tell you about a cool podcast from our friend Edmund Mitchell? Only if it's season two of the show. Holy shit, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing because we curse because we're eight. Um, so Wait, wait, buddy- wait. Is this the same season two of the show that's irreverent, rational mysticism? Sure is. I love our ad reads. I love our ad reads. So, yeah, the show is a um, podcast with our good buddy, Edmund. I had a chance to hang out with Edmund out of the Catholic Creatives uh, uh conference i believe it was him and nick who's also on the show as well nick gutierrez and i butchered that uh listen i'm from the suburbs of dayton you're welcome i tried uh it was they're really cool i like all all jokes aside they're very cool cool guys uh, and i'm and i really enjoy their podcast the show uh can you tell me a little bit about like what the show's about or should you tell me tell tell the kids i will tell everyone who's listening uh, so I've known Edmund for years now. He's uh, a fan of our show, which is why he's advertising. But also, he is super creative, and he has designed and built all sorts of amazing stuff. He has an eye for design and graphics and stuff like that. It's kind of amazing. Um, he's the guy that woke me up one day when my Radical Communities launched, and he said, Oh, my God, I just saw the artwork. Can I please? I will do it for free just to make it go away. And I was like, Wow, thanks. But... Edmund has a podcast, and it's great. It's This is how he describes it. Making sense of our horrible human condition through long-form conversations about beauty, science, and spirituality. It's an audio podcast, but they also have great videos on YouTube. You can find that at youtube.com slash Mitchell or the show.fireside.fm for that audio podcast. So I encourage you guys, check this out. Um I like the big show. Have you listened to the big show? They do it once a month. They got the co-hosts, Allie, Johnny, and Nick. They all come on and they cover that. And one day, one we were one of the topics. Side noted, uh, and I listened to it, and I was like, "Gosh, I love a lob, Andrew (laughs) Lauerbacher. I love that man. So hot right now." We need to have him on on our on our podcast. Oh, and they actually did an episode with a guy that we went. I I think we went to college with him, Doctor Gregory Pataro. Yeah, and hand on mindfulness and, and anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah, which I think is very cool. Yeah, I th- he was in SOS, right? I don't know that, but yes, he okay. was. <laughs> oh, Doc Greg, right? I think that's, that's a right. Great guy. Yeah, Holy like a really, crap. he was a really nice guy. Squinty-eyed Greg. Oh man, that guy was <laughs> so cool. He was such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, go and again uh, check. Uh, check out this podcast it's called it's called the show it's great thank you to edmund mitchell and the show for sponsoring this episode of catching foxes oh yeah season two launches late february bam hey luke i think we have some 10 minute topics what do you think we do we do although i would love to just keep talking about politics because i'm so sick of talking about catholicism uh that's not true um that sounds coming, wrong. When you say coming up loud. first, Pope Francis said God <laughs> desires religious pluralism. <laughs> Film at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, we have uh, we have a long, 
uh, we uh, have a question. Sorry, Aaron just sent me a text. I hope she's not getting sick. I did I tell you I got sick over the weekend? Yeah, you said you had like a stomach virus. What happened, dude? I I just like I think it slowly started on like on because I was really tired on Thursday of last week and ended up I'm taking the day off of work. I thought I was just due to more like just emotional exhaustion. I just like I just. I need a day, like and just, probably like sexual frustration. Go on. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. That's always on the forefront of you know everything. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my on Friday night, my stomach started to not feel so good, and then <laughs> things were not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five times in one hour. Oh no! And that, and I thought I had food poisoning. I mean, honestly, because I, I was also like, I was also like nauseous, and I just like, and my, and my whole abdomen just felt very tight. And I was like, oh, did the thing I did at Whole Foods, was that bad? And so I um, ended up um, texting our own buddy, Dr. Adam, and he was just like, it's probably a GI a virus thing or whatever. Uh, my guess is it'll go in about one to two days. But, like, if it gets really bad in a couple of areas, like, go in, like, go to the, like, you know, go and um, see your doctor. So, yeah, I uh, got a, ended up on Saturday night. Sorry, was it on, on Saturday or on Friday? Had a hundred and three degree temperature again. Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, "Son of a bitch, we just did this," but <laughs> it, it was kind of different from what I had before because that was just like that was that was influenza. What I had, oh, uh, you had the flu, but this was more of a virus. So I'm I'm fine now, but I'm worried Aaron's coming down with it. So uh, pray for her, everyone. She does. When me and Luke that. lived, when me and Luke lived with each other. He got sick. He was sick like over and over again for like a like a month. You were just you couldn't kick it. And every and I was like, I cannot get sick. I cannot get sick. So I bought a can of Lysol and Lysol wipes. <laughs> and everywhere you went in our room, I would wipe it down with the Lysol wipes. And then at the moment you would leave to go to class, I would just spray the can. For like 20 <laughs> seconds holding down this nozzle. I'm sure I inhaled so many toxins on my that had caked my pillow. But I was like, I don't care. I'll take these toxins over. And, and at times you were like, Luke, shouldn't you be going to more of your classes so I can spray stuff down? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been trying to spray stuff down for three days now. And Luke said he's really tired. Really tired. Wasn't too tired to go to bed early. <laughs> Said he played Ocarina of Time for 12 hours. <laughs> and then him and John sit up till 2 in the morning uh, watching Conan and Family. Oh, why was being in college so wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> oh, man. I used to play a video game with a guy named Ben Hickman. And all we would do was drive four-wheel trucks four-wheel drive trucks <laughs> off-road in the ugliest video game ever but that's it we were like oh look at that cliff oh look at those rocks it was like a, i remember a, that video game yeah yeah so weird so weird gosh man i mean i think like i remember one time one of my proudest accomplishments in college was um me and uh i don't want to say his name because he might be embarrassed by this but uh i think you mean touching my inner thigh but me and we're not talking about <laughs> me and a good buddy of ours like there's the two of us put away a whole case of beer and like all right let's go out now <laughs> <laughs> all right we've accomplished something great <laughs> we're just being like i reached that point in my life you know at one point in time i could do that <laughs> an entire case for two people and cases 24 
Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess isn't that bad, but. No, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like 24. It was like a Coors Light or something. We just like, yeah. Coors Light, man. <laughs> so we had a question on our Patreon page last November that we haven't gotten to yet because it's kind of a heavy one. So, um, uh, patreon.com slash cf this is from uh we'll just call him tom uh could y'all talk about ivf on your next show i know uh, i don't want to go into specifics here uh so maybe we should edit out his name but but um yeah so can we talk about ivf and like that stuff do you want to explain to the kids what we mean by ivf yeah, in vitro fertilization. So the Roman Catholic Church has always been a pro-life organization. People do not understand, though, the church's teaching, if it's so pro-life, why does it prohibit reproductive technologies that assist uh, people in getting pregnant, uh, in vitro fertilization being one of those things? And the church has always said that the sexual act ought not to be separated from the procreative act. So the idea is essentially that having sex and getting pregnant should not be two entirely different things. So masturbating into a cup where you ejaculate your semen into, and then that semen is then uh, sprayed onto eggs that have been removed from a woman's ovaries scientifically, you know, placed in a Petri dish where they try to force uh, insemination and all these different things. Um the church has always condemned those type of reproductive technologies. And it's always been a huge heartbreak to Roman Catholics who are trying to get pregnant and they rely on, um, on these modern scientific means. And the Catholic church does offer some alternatives or rather the Catholic church is not, but bioethicists do where you can have assistive technologies, but not replacement technologies, Right. So you can assist the reproductive act. So if a man has low sperm count, he needs some help getting his swimmers upstream, as it were, up top. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, they, there are different, uh, there are technologies that assist that, such as, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like essentially shooting air into a woman's vagina shortly thereafter, coitus, so that the poor swimmers can have a little assistance. Kind of like, uh, kind of like putting a uh, poor swimmer and attaching him to a, a jet ski, if you will. Um, that's that's so fantastic. <laughs> we should call this the jet ski episode. Um, <laughs> it, but isn't like one of the things with IVF as well is the fact that the way that it's done means you have embryos where there is conception, but they never do anything with them. Yeah, so the secondary danger. Now, I will say, I have known couples who have successfully had one egg, one fertilization occur. They did not. So what Luke is talking about is oftentimes they will try to harvest. They'll put the women on um, fertility medicine to make her ovulate multiple eggs. They will harvest these eggs. Then they will try to put, um, they will try to fertilize a whole bunch of them. And then because it is a very difficult process and often results in what you call spontaneous abortion, basically a miscarriage or whatnot, the baby can't implant 
um, within the uterus and all this stuff. So there's all these techniques that they do. They kind of bruise the uterus, for lack of a better word, in order to get the the in a spot so that the egg will implant and or the fertilized ovum will implant. But the reality is, the reality is, um, for many people that go for these procedures, they take multiple eggs, they fertilize them, they try with one, and they freeze the rest. So now you have this awkward predicament. Um, there's a wonderful book by a French, um, by a French doctor called the Concentration Can, and he calls it that because it's this canister of liquid nitrogen and all these frozen human persons. I mean, they are fertilized eggs. It's not just an egg. It's not a sperm anymore. It is a new independent human life that is distinct from, though came from, mom and dad. And um, they're just frozen. So they're not allowed to develop. They're not allowed to grow. They're not, they're not going to be, if the eggs are implanted or if the fertilized ovums are implanted and succeed, these eggs might be then later destroyed or discarded. They might be implanted in other people's uteruses. Right, so you create these huge industries that are separate out from separating that are based upon separating the procreative from the sexual act, and now we are no longer begotten, we're made, and there is a a dangerous element with all of that, yeah, couldn't put that any better myself, so instruction over discussion no with Aquinas. <laughs> uh, here we go. Mafrad interviewed me for his show. Um, oh, cool! Hey, because you were on his show. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, the I'm greatest just kidding. version of it, the live seek one with no, Catholic and, stuff. You should know, anyways. NBD, <laughs> go on. <laughs> no big deal. I hate you. Uh, but so he interviewed me, and we talked about heresy because he liked the conversations that me and you have been having on like me saying that father james martin is uh, accommodating the gospel to the culture and all that stuff and it's not really evangelism but um and so we were talking about all this stuff and he goes listen this is not catching foxes we want instruction over discussion and i was like oh thank god (laughs) i can breathe again i can breathe again i don't have to keep shutting my mouth and letting luke letting luke uh, have his way with me more ways oh That's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. you might, oh man, I cannot wait to hang out this this weekend. Yeah. So for uh, those of you who don't know, Luke mm. and I are flying to Atlanta. We're Ba-choo! gonna do a we're gonna do a uh, uh, an episode of the Matt Frad Show in Atlanta. Ba-choo! Ba-choo! I, just like the, a, I just like like a gun thing in the air, and no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, but you're saying pachu, and people know what a pachu is. That's true. Yeah. So then, um, uh, so I said, Luke, let's fly down on Friday. We're gonna stay with our buddy John. Ba-choo! We're gonna hang out all weekend. So I called John and asked for his permission, really just to tell him that we're going to stay with him. And he's like, dude, I'm so pumped. Friday is my birthday. And I said, no, I knew that. <laughs> Actually, I did. I know you did. I'm a good friend. I'm a terrible friend, Luke. I'm so bad. Oh, 10-minute topic. <laughs> hey, so I'm going to go yeah. get more beer. Can I go get more beer? Yeah, I'll just talk oh. with the kids for a bit. Okay, and also line up the topics. And I'm literally going to leave, Luke, so you can say whatever you want. I'll keep it in the show. Listen, to be honest here, Gomer might be the reason why you came, but I'm the reason why you stay, to be very clear, or why you leave. I think people get very get a little bit tired of me. I can be, listen, I know, I can be emotionally exhausting. Uh, and, quite a, and quite a few of you out there have experienced that or experienced that every day, looking at you, Aaron. 
So I apologize for that, but I'm trying. I'm really, really trying. I'll be honest. I have never been more overwhelmed in my life in terms of work and stuff, but I've also never been more grateful. So I'm trying to focus on the good stuff while not just crying every day, little tears. That's not true. I haven't been crying. I mean, almost, but kind of. You ever feel like you spend too much time freaking out that you're like, if I just did stuff as opposed to like freaking out, I probably would get more done. That's where I'm at right now is like right there where I can, I consciously understand, oh, if I wasn't freaking out as much, I could probably get, get more done. But you know what? I'm working on it, everyone. I'm working on it. So, because change really is impossible for the most part. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Change is kind of. Uh, yeah. I'm back. Hey. Okay. So. Were you talking about me? Yeah. Hey, um, Gomer. Hey, Luke. Love is a many splendid thing. Love, <laughs> love lifts. <laughs> Tell me about the blossoming of love in your heart, Luke. Love lifts us up where where we belong. All you need is love. A girl's got to eat. <laughs> All you need is love. Or she'll end up on the street. All you need is love. I don't remember this this part. <laughs> All you need is love. And then like you sing, love is just a game. Go. Catholicmatch.com. That's not how it goes, Gormley. Anyway, uh, if you, isn't it? If you're desperate for for a love, and let's be honest, you're listening to a podcast, so you probably are. Uh, we want to tell you about a great website out there. I'm sure that you have heard of it. Our good friends at where? Catholicmatch.com. Here's my hope for all of you: go onto Catholic Match. Don't try to find anything. Just try to have a good time. Hmm. Clicking like and sending hearts and little whispers, CatholicMatch.com. But here's the most important thing. Okay, I don't care if you if you you don't like the world of online dating. You go to CatholicMatch.com and you make a profile tonight, not tomorrow. What if the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams, in Luke's case, is there waiting for you, but you were like, no, I'll do it tomorrow after I play Fortnite. No, you go, you'll see how easy it is to create an online profile. And in that ridiculous profile, you can do one of two things, right? Catching foxes made me do it or do what fan of the show did today. And I thought it was hysterical in the little photos that you can put for the social media, little profile thingy. She put our album artwork as one of the (laughs) photos. And I thought, wow, that is genius. Brilliant. So thank you. We have the best fans. That's right. Thank we you do. guys. And so that's and catholicmatch.com, a place where you won't get texts from men asking unseemly things of you in the middle of the night. You sure won't. You sure won't. It's going to be a really healthy, safe Venn diagram. So It's a happy Venn diagram. It's a happy place. It's a happy <laughs> place at catholicmatch.com. Thank you, Catholic Match, for supporting our show and allowing us to say these things. I have a question. I like this one. This got this got a lot of likes on the old Facebook, the old Zuckerberg place. <laughs> Six likes. The old Stalinesque Zuckerberg hangout. Yeah, uh, man, he's really like just gone away, right? Ever since the whole court thing. Um, By court, I mean Congress, <laughs> congressional, <laughs> which is a court for the most part. I was I was texting with John the other day, and I said how like one reason our podcast. Oh gosh. Hold on a second. Let me pull this up. It's such a great point about us. <laughs> Let me just make everyone wait. 
this. I'm gonna this, make well, I can you edit. Wait. I can edit it out. Nope, nope. I want to make them wait. Uh, t- to make a podcast good, you need to hype things up. I think. I think. Um, one reason why we work is that we are so dramatic. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. Like it's not hard for us to like get like make things sound fun and exciting, um, or just like very important. Uh, yay or nay to the live action uh, Aladdin? Uh, I don't know. I'm willing to give Will Chance a chance. Will Chance, Will Smith, <laughs> a chance. But man, Robin did Williams, you see, come on! I know, but did you see him as or the genie though? Did you see that? Hold on, let me. I'm gonna. I'm going to pull it up right now. Oh, it's not good. Live action Aladdin official trailer. Here we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. This does not look good. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Jasmine, 10 out of 10. (laughs) Am I right? CGI stupid. Uh Uh-oh, here comes Will Smith. Penis-shaped blue cloud of smoke. All right. (laughs) You really don't know who I am. Genie wishes lamb. None of that ringing a bell. Wow, that looks. Well, that's the thing. When you compare it to Thanos or something like that, it's just like, ugh. So, okay, uh, I'm going to do some Patreon. We have tons of, tons of questions. So um, yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah, this, is, this is nuts. Uh, I want to ask some stuff that we got on our Patreon page. Um, just so you know, if you're not a Patreon supporter, Luke posts 10-minute topic requests, and then he said, submit, my pretties, submit. (laughs) And we have 13 submissions in, like, five seconds. So So, thank you, everyone. Um, Okay, I'm just going to try to do some, like, fun ones really quick. We already talked about, ooh, okay, this is a good one. Do you want to go deep or do you want to go light first? Uh, Let's go light. Let's do some light topics. Okay. Um, have we heard the new Only Me Without You album, Untitled? Uh, what do we think my about friend it? Daniel Gonzalez, I need to apologize. No, I have not. As well as Dan O'Connell, they both are fans of the show and have, are, have become huge fans of Me Without You. Dan Gonzalez literally gave me the previous album, and which I love. Well, I like. I don't love it. And no, I have not kept up. To, is it untitled? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's untitled in parentheses because <laughs> me without you, uh, and with in in quotations. Um, yeah, parentheses quotations untitled, <laughs> all lowercase. Um, I haven't analyzed the lyrics yet, uh, but I it is from like a sonic standpoint, it's really interesting. So I I um I just haven't had time yet, but I really want to. Uh, his stuff gets more and more vague. Then I, it just, it just takes a little bit more time, which is which is great. I just haven't done it yet. So, uh, Chipotle or Qdoba? Uh, Qdoba doesn't exist near me, so Chipotle so cool. all the way. I love Chipotle, and I get I used to get it every day. I would teach come or every Sunday I would teach RCI. On my way <laughs> home, I always pick up Chipotle for my wife while she's feeding our kids. And getting them the hell out of our lives for an hour so we can have uh, some private time. Uh, what do we view on weed as it becomes as it becomes like, legalized in more and more states? I think that <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I am high as shit. Uh, 
Okay, so here's my honest opinion. I don't think it is like I don't think it is inherently wrong. Um, but I'm not convinced that it can be used in moderation. Uh but I know that some dispensaries can somehow. So I think it's I think it's a little bit more of a complex, nuanced conversation. So I'm not gonna hold it against anyone if they do smoke weed or they do enjoy it. Um but nor am I going to, but I'm also not going to be like, it's great. I've never heard of smoking weed in moderation. You don't smoke weed in moderation. You smoke weed to get high. Well, but it's like, I mean, okay. but like, what, what do you mean by high? Do you mean like blazed out of your mind? I don't think that's, I don't think that is necessarily the case. All but right. All right. With a lot Just of until weed- you start referring to God as she. <laughs> God, he's or she's. What, guys, guys, what if? Wait, wait. What if God was one of us, like just a slob? Like, what if? Okay, hold on. What if he's a stranger on the bus, trying to make his way home? Just, just trying to get home, man. Just trying to make his way home. Maybe to like call the Pope somewhere in Rome. God, God. What a stupid line! What Shut the hell up! That song's amazing. Shut the hell up! That song. No, fantastic. that song is horrible. That song is wonderful. When I heard that song, I was like, "Yes, that is a, an actual thing." He's not a <laughs> slob, but his name is Jesus Christ. He became one of us. <laughs> you ex-Catholic, fake Western Hindu craphead. It's just fake, such a that is fake depth. That is, is it, fake oh depth. no, absolutely! But it's like, but the best part about it is, <laughs> it is it's nineties wonderful fake depth. Like she's got the curly hair, she's got yeah. the nose ring. She looks like she's a better looking version of um, Phoebe or whatever. Yes, exactly. Like Phoebe singing Smelly Cat. Exactly. <laughs> it's, Luke, it's, you just became my best friend all over again. <laughs> <laughs> that is such, exactly yeah. who she was. <laughs> Because Phoebe is doing Smelly Cat was dressed like like an Arabian princess or something. Yeah, and this woman yeah. is dressed like a Hindu woman. I think she has the third eye of Shiba Bishu on her forehead at one point. But she actually was raised Roman Catholic. I think that I remember woman. that. I remember a, one interview on VH1 that I saw 20 years ago and it's etched <laughs> in my brain. Because I remember hearing that song and being like, is this woman a Christian? And she's like saying, like, what if God was one of us? Wouldn't that be awesome? But like that is such junior high theology <laughs> that if anyone took it seriously, I'd just be like, "Are you a That's fucking it. idiot?" That's it. I gotta look up the lyrics. <laughs> what if God was one of us? Thank you, Google, for search. I'm playing if this. God song. I, I... had a name. What would it be? <laughs> Joan Osborne. Thank you. If God had a name, what would it be? And what would you? And would you call it to his face? If you were faced with him in all his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? Okay, number one and number two questions are stupid. If you were faced with him in all his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? That's a good question. That's a good question. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, God is great. And yeah, yeah, God is good. And yeah, 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 yeah. What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? If God had a face, what would it look like? And would you want to see it if seeing meant that you would have to believe in things like heaven and in Jesus and in the saints and all the prophets. And yeah, yeah, this song literally makes no sense. I love Uh, it. Just trying to make his way home. 
like back to heaven all alone, nobody calling on the phone, sept, sept, apostrophe, sept for the Pope, maybe in Rome, and yeah, yeah. This song, uh, just like a holy rolling stone, back to heaven, all for the Pope. This all song, alone. Okay, Eric Bazillion, you're an asshole. Eric Bazillion, you are an asshole. You're the songwriter. Oh, I was like, we were so Eric angry about M. this. M. Bazillion. <laughs> you made bazillions of dollars off the dumbest song oh, I've totally, ever heard. totally. I think the one part I do kind of like, or I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting, is if, like, the if seeing um, yeah. meant that you would have to believe. Yeah. Would you That's- want to look at God's face? If seeing meant you would have to believe in things like heaven and in Jesus and the saints and all the prophets. Well, Jesus is the face of God. I, I know. I know. Let's not get too into the weeds of this. <laughs> it's a stupid <laughs> 90s pop We did a whole episode <laughs> just on this. Oh, my gosh. I'm clicking our YouTube video. How did I end up here? Oh, I, Luke, I, what I, have I'm, you done? I'm, I'm already there, man. I love this. I love this song. No. I know. I Look at her face in this. this is how so, how zoomed in it is. She's like, like, uh. Look at the like, the color of the pictures. How it ha- like has like '90s orange um, rustic tint to it. Yeah, <laughs> with like ugly people taking pictures. Oh, she doesn't have the third eye of Shiva Bishu on it. Okay, okay. She's definitely a more attractive version of um, Phoebe, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. That's Gosh. for sure. This is such a '90s. Like this is pure like <laughs> mid um '90s vibe. <laughs> But any anywho, where did we? How did we get here? I don't know. Aladdin, but I'm so glad that we I think are. We, by way of Aladdin, <laughs> I'm so glad that we are. It was wonderful. Oh, we needed wow. to have that trip. I, I need to come up. I need to come up for here. <laughs> Screw you, <laughs> Eric M. Bazillion. <laughs> Eric M. Bazillion, you've ruined Gomer's life. Um. So quickly. how do the tensions of career versus marriage play into y'all's marriages? Uh, and then Anne Marie wrote, yeah, I've always wanted to ask this. I see a lot of people who are speakers and completely enveloped in ministry. I always thought people sugarcoated how it affects their marriages. Um, okay. Uh, tensions of my career. So me and Luke are both in full-time churchy work. So our ministry and our careers largely overlap. I don't know if Luke would say they totally do, but, um, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Right. For the most part, <laughs> That's right. um, yeah, I was just affirming you. God, you're so sensitive. I'm broken. Um, but I would say this: uh, there are times where I feel like my marriage is fine because my wife, me and my wife, are so on the same page with so many things. And I have a lot of friends whose wives and them are on totally different pages. I don't understand how they're married. I don't understand how they don't have the same thoughts about money about savings, about loving your kids, about what you buy and don't buy. Now, me and my wife obviously have disagreements and stuff, but when it comes to me taking gigs, I always run. So, so some, any type of job outside of my full-time jobby job, it goes through my wife. So when I did that thing to do a podcast with Dave Van Vickle, the first person that had to approve it wasn't Dave Van Vickle. It was my wife. And I will say this. My wife is more understanding than my kids. And about three weeks ago, or three weeks ago, three days ago, four days ago, something like that, my kids um, all independently of one another broke down crying 
at within the same about hour time frame. They're probably feeding off each other, but saying how I'm never around. I always leave on the weekends and I don't love them because I'd rather be on an airplane than with them. Mm. So does it take its toll? You damn freaking right. It takes its toll. And if I didn't do that, my daughter couldn't get her uh, palate expander that she has today. My son couldn't have his speech therapy. My daughter couldn't go, you know, like there's so many things that I am incapable of providing for my family on a single income. Our, our world is a double income. We have student loan debt still. I'm paying it off fanatically. We're fine. I love you. We're fine. But if it wasn't for catching Fox's Patreon supporters, if it wasn't for me doing these third-party gigs, I could not give my family the medical care that they needed, right? Like, I have a crossbite. I literally have a deformed jaw, hence the beard, because my parents couldn't afford a palate expander when I was growing up. So I will pay thousands of dollars so my beautiful Kateri doesn't have to have a palate expander or doesn't have to have a, a crossbite. And I think of these things, and I know that they take their toll, and I know it's the worst time to take their toll. It would be better if I were traveling in high school than when they're toddlers and in you know beginning school, early elementary school, and it hurts me that I, I have to do I actually, as the dad, I wouldn't say that that's true. I'd say you being around in high school is actually more important. I can, I, I can agree with that in a lot of ways, but the main thing that I'm discovering is the form the most formative years are you know like two to six years old yeah and okay, i sure, want to be true. yeah a part of their formation i don't just want to be the guy who comes to all their soccer games i want to be the guy that comes to their soccer games but i want to imprint my heart on their lives and i will tell you this when you decide and this goes to Various ugly Twitter comments that are happening right now that are infuriating me. But I will tell you this. When you join ministry, you are not joining a career to make a lot of money in. When you're a young adult and becoming a youth minister, you can make thirty or $40,000. Whereas your English, you know, Russian literature major, whatever you did, isn't going to get you anything. Yeah, I can understand that you'd want to hop into youth ministry or whatever it might be. But I'm telling you. A decision to join the ministry of the church as a professional layperson is a decision, unless you want to be a sellout, is a decision to either work a lot of side hustles or not be able to provide for your family. And you have to, in, in, in many ways, not always, but in many ways. And you have to understand that. And you have to live with the fact that I'm choking up right now. Oh, man. Hey. Oh my gosh, what Luke? Uh let's pretend that I let's pretend that I'm twenty-two and I'm like, what am I gonna do with with my life? Because I want to go in the ministry, but I'm not really sure like where. Perhaps I really ha have a heart for a certain thing, but I'm not really I can't really like find a place that like fits the um, desires of my heart, which is to like serve the poor, to be in community. Where could I go? Well, this place, this magical, mythical wonderland that you want to go, that somehow 
has ministry opportunities in the mission field for young adults, which I don't know of any place that does that. But my guess would be they'd also have to have things like training and collaboration and community, not just community events, but actual support where other missionaries doing similar work all over, let's say, the fourth largest city in America can come together and actually pray and intercede and do God's work. Like, there couldn't be a place like that that exists. Could there, Luke? Could there? It sounds too good to be true, but here's my only hope is I'm sure it could exist, but does the guy who's in charge have a super cool and hip haircut? Okay, so I'm online. Click, 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 click. I'm going to search. Oh, my gosh. There is a place called AdoreMinistries.com, and Jonathan Alexander has the coolest awkward hipster haircut i've ever seen oh sign me up i want in cash me on the outside how about that <laughs> i just want to let you guys know that i so believe in the mission of adore ministries that today february 14th thursday valentine's i showed my love for them by donating directly to support the alexander family so i think everyone out mm. there if you're thinking about a missionary opportunity that you want to engage in adoreministries.com might just be the place for you if you want to serve as a missionary if you're like what do i do hurricane harvey and all the amazing stuff that they did during hurricane harvey moved me i want to go serve the poor i want to live the gospel well guess what you can do it so go head over to adoreministries.com and let us open a door for you for you for you thank you to adore (laughs) ministries for sponsoring this show From my end, it's a little bit different because we don't have kids yet, but uh, Aaron does have a career, like a, I mean, a really great one at, at that, at, like, actually, and uh, it's tough, you know, it's tough. Um, I th- There are times where I feel like we barely see each other, and so we really try to go out of our way to make time to, m- to make things I mean, not barely, but like, you know, it's just like you see see them in the morning and then at night you've got events, you've got stuff going on that you've got to be at and stuff. And, you know, I, I try to not be away any more than two nights a week. But, uh, you know, we're going, out, we're going out of town this weekend. You know, I travel once a month, just about now uh, for the podcast. And uh, it's, um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I it um, it is not easy. And there are times when I question, like, is this the right thing to do? You know, because, but like, there are a lot of other jobs where it takes people away. You know, this yeah. is not, this is not just like a ministry issue. So, yeah. and I think, um, if one, people, one of my, yeah. Sorry. sorry. I was Go. just going to say, one of the beautiful people that helps balance me is my friend, Christine Marlowe. And Christine, you know, her oldest daughter is in college. Uh, her second oldest is my perpetual babysitter my kids well my kids babysitter um so she has older kids right and her husband went from the air force to a pilot for united and he lives the pilot life where he's gone for three four five days maybe seven on whatever trip whatever and she had to raise four kids that way and so it reminds me like listen snowflake you're not that precious like I, as I say to myself in the mirror, um, people have it hard. People have to. Tra- there are people who are traveling salesmen, and and that's what they're good at, and that's what they where they thrive, and their family finds a way. So you have to find a way. My wife has found a way. 
my kids mostly have found a way to deal with, you know, when I'm home, I try to be home. I try not, like, me and Luke do this podcast. Thank God for Luke. It's 1145 where he is right now. It's 1045 because I do. I can only do this podcast either A, before my kids wake up or B, after they go to bed. And Luke generously stays up because he's an hour ahead of me. He stays up so that I can do it after my wife goes to bed. Like she'll go to bed at like 9 or 930. And then we start recording. And then it's and, Luke time. And then it's Luke time. First wife time as I remind Shannon every day. <laughs> First wife time in, in three days. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> but so this is, I mean, to be honest with you, there are a lot of speakers, um, Emery, who lie about like sugarcoat. I'll say sugarcoat. Um, it is so hard sometimes. But I will say this. It's also so easy because I am a pretty good speaker. Not all the time. Much of the time. I'm a pretty good speaker. I'm hip into the missionary disciple morality evangelization stuff which is very much in demand for parish staffs and all this stuff and so i can speak to that and i can speak to that without having to do a lot of planning so i had a buddy of mine an excellent guy named alec he reached out to me and said i want you to do our parish staff retreat so i drove up did two days with his parish earned my family desperately needed income like we were i mean like i was gonna have to put the mortgage on a credit card desperately needed income nailed it right i did not have to do hours of planning because when you invite me to a talk to give a talk at your church i am drawing on <laughs> my nerdiness and i'm drawing on the holy spirit and what how people are reacting and like hey man what do people need to hear and so i say all this because there's not a lot of preparation that goes into my gigs. So I'm lucky that my side job is something that already that I love, right? So it's not like, what's your side job? I drive for Uber. Like, that's exhausting. Isn't that exhausting? Mm -hmm. That would be exhausting. But what's my side job is doing the, the only thing that I love. Like, if I can email people my invoice on time for the love of Christ, then I get to go and just do that. I don't have to. I just get to be with people and talk about Christ, and I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to send emails and Excel spreadsheets. I just get to be with people and talk about Christ and let them argue and yell and hate and love and cry and do all the wonderful things people do on retreats and events and conferences. Mm -hmm. So I'm lucky. And, and then I walk away with half a month's pay for a weekend of a retreat. Yeah, it's. I mean, could you imagine that? Can you imagine my dad who worked for Shell for 49 and three quarter years to have a side gig where going, someone else bought his plane ticket, bought his hotel room. He gave a series of talks on the subject he loved the most. And then he flew home after just one weekend and had, instead of just one monthly income, he had, you know, a third added on to that or, you know, 50% mm -hmm. more income added on to that. I'm the luckiest man in the world in that regard, but it does take its toll. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, to be honest, I'm just kind of going through just in my, like, I, there's not a lot of people that I know that I, that I, you know, I'm very good friends with that who have, it hasn't been an issue. Yeah. Yeah, man. At some point in time. You so. get it. I mean, you're surrounded by all those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're going to, you're going to get into the lifestyle with these catching foxes things, man. Cause we're starting to pick up. I know. Live events, go. Luke. Yeah, I'm doing a parish mission, and the first question the guy said was, K 
can Luke come for any part of the mission? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm sure he could. He's like, it's only a five-hour drive. I already Googled it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so exciting. Thanks Luke's going to come out. And we're gonna... <laughs> Luke is going to come out. We're going to do a theology on tap in the oh, middle shit. of a parish mission. I love it. Sorry, I just dropped a, uh, my, uh, my boom arm just dropped something. Hey, what do you feel like Catholics can learn from Protestants? And what do you think Protestants can learn from Catholics? I think Catholics can actually um, learn to believe in Jesus Christ and that God is actually um, real and it's all true. Uh, so there's that. Um, yeah, and that God can be known, like, intimately. Um, and I think the Protestants can learn... Uh, <laughs> everything else no um i i think so like history and t- tradition um uh let me uh, hmm, hmm, okay what can process i think there is there's a lot of like richness to th- the saints and to the and to like the like life of the church and the church as like an actual entity an actual like body um that you know brings Christ into the world in real concrete ways. Uh, I think Protestants can learn from that and what that's like. Things like the liturgy of the hours, the um the sacraments, um things like that. So I, I think there's uh in my opinion, in my opinion, so Auntie, please don't kill me. Uh, there is there is a limit to how deep Protestantism can go, just because you don't have you just you are cut off from all that stuff. Isn't Aunt D Anglican or Presbyterian or Episcopalian? Uh, excuse me. Uh, she's no, actually, she is Anglican now. Yeah, Anglican. Yeah, but she was non-denominational. Oh, okay, I w- I will say that Anglicanism is such an interesting hybrid between regular Protestantism. And independent of your high church or low church, and Catholicism and Orthodoxy, um, mm-hmm. that they are not super ahistorical. There's an element of yeah. this ahistorical anachronistic element to evangelicalism that I, I just don't understand. So, what uh, what do you feel Catholics can learn from Protestants? Uh, Doctor Scott Hahn said it best when he said, "When a Catholic converts to Protestantism, they hate their upbringing because they they'll say, I never knew Jesus Christ.'" When a Protestant converts to Catholicism, they say that they love their upbringing because at least they had Jesus Christ, and they had this. They they look with appreciation. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ means that there's, there's a uh, an actual divine person named Jesus, the eternal Son of God. He rose from the dead. He's not dead. We can have a relationship with him through faith and prayer. And I find over and over again, Catholic. Catholics in general, priests in particular, are antithetical to that understanding because their fullness is the Eucharist and uh, and the community. That's where I, quote, see Jesus. And when I hear priests say that in particular, it bothers me because I think of uh, one time someone corrected me. I said, God became man, became bread. And this guy said, transubstantiation is God became man, bread became the God-man. Like, it's, it doesn't just trickle down. I said, yeah, well, I mean bread of angels. And he's like, okay, good dodge. But it's this notion that the bread, the common bread through the sacramental prayer is caught up into the higher reality. 
And I think about that because sometimes I feel like when priests who deny a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they're almost denying the reality of the Eucharist, where it's almost like God became man, became bread, instead of the the common bread becomes God, the God-man. And I want to point out to them that Jesus rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father from all eternity, reigning as king of all the universe, and we can have a relationship with him. So as Catholics can learn that from Protestants and Scripture, Protestants can learn from Catholics, ho, let's love Mary for the love of God. Ecclesiology matters, a whole bunch of stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you what would it take for you, going? Luke, to live in Houston? What would it take for me to live yeah, honestly, what would it take for you to move down to Houston? Uh, a good job for for Aaron that fit her career goals. Uh, and a job for me that would make Catching Fox, that like would also allow for Catching Foxes to exist. Would you live in the Gormley house? <laughs> I mean, year. for a year. For a year. Uh-huh. Like the office that I'm in recording this podcast. Could, like, could Aaron and I live there? Could you suffer the Gormleys that long? I mean, I could easily, yeah. What if we gave you the master bedroom? Yeah, I mean, you could probably make that work. And a Keurig. Keurig. <laughs> <laughs> Here to go. There isn't anything in here but a Keurig. Yep. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys later. No weird sex stuff. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh who is your favorite character from the mcu and why is it captain america when cameron wrote that i was reading that while i was at a stoplight and i physically burst out laughing who's your favorite character from the mcu and why is it captain america well it's <laughs> captain america for luke because he likes vinyl it's tony stark for me because i like cds i think I, you know what's funny i would have yeah. been team captain america before civil war and i became team captain america because of civil war i'm more team iron man now after civil war which is crazy i never thought i would i never thought that that would have happened and i'm team captain america because of civil war isn't that funny there's one line from age of ultron that became civil war for me right they're cutting wood tony sark and captain america are talking Mm -hmm. and uh and they you know they're talking about peace in our time and isn't that the goal and Captain America says the line. And the line is, shit, I already forgot it. <laughs> is, uh, what, what we, you got to help me. It's like every. Uh, every time someone tries to end a war yeah. early, things, innocent people die every time or whatever. Yeah, like every time someone tries to prevent the war before it Sorry, starts. Sorry, that's right. Prevent a war. Innocent people end die war early. Yeah. every time. And the, the the and so you have to understand that within the context of the, like the Iraq War, as a preemptive war, right? It's it's like Saddam Hussein is not an unjust aggressor, but he probably will be. Therefore, every time you do that, innocent people die. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when I because for me part of my ongoing conversion and and the weird dynamism of my life was i was a hardcore supporter of the iraq war and then i became a hardcore objector to the iraq war and it was a a wonderful book uh, written by an actual u.s ambassador who was a devout roman catholic who wrote it against 
the right wingers of first things which is one of my favorite publications that he he took the task father richard john newhouse and all these different people and saying this violates catholic just war theory here's the reasons why and that book had such an effect on me i wrote him a letter he responded and said thank you um and then I tried to write him more, and he never emailed me back. But uh, <laughs> it's the first book. I have a book review page, and it's the Do first book best, I ever reviewed. Best friends. Hey, hey, can, can maybe if you come back to the States, me and you kiss on the mouth? <laughs> I did. promise I won't make eye contact. <laughs> I will avert my eyes, but I won't close them. You know, I, I think, like, uh, the thing is, is that, like, Iron Man and his, okay, I don't know if, like, if necessarily trying to sign the accords was like the necessarily right thing to do. But there is a part of me that's just kind of like, but like Captain America, um, I think I'm annoyed that he like went after Bucky. It might even be more that, even though I kind of, I tend to agree with Iron Man because there's this part of like, after being a principal, I'm now like, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just side with authority. Cause I'm like, there's more to the story here. Um, and with this idea that, like, yeah, like, these are insane powers that kind of need to be, to cannot be used just at will. Like, that that collateral damage is very, very real. And if there's nothing there to try to, like, help, like, minimize that, um, that's a problem. And who else can do that but a government entity? Mm. You know, and that's kind of, like, why I kind of agree with tony because he's like listen this is the cost of this like the cost of us trying to save uh slovenia or slovakia whatever it's called (laughs) i'm sorry i'm getting a little bit tired but um oh my god i just forgot it i was gonna say slovenia because you said sokovia (laughs) sokovia oh i'm sorry i was so sokovia accords because luke how come you don't know the whole history of this made-up country (laughs) because of sokovia I, like, I will I will never forget seeing on Twitter these people arguing over the minutia of Game of Thrones Westeros and the history of Westeros. And some guy said, do you guys know anything about the U.S. Constitution? <laughs> like oh, the actual history that affects us? No? Okay. It's amazing. Um, I, I, def- I listen to a lot of those po- like podcasts that are made by those people. I'm like, There's, I'm like, why is this good? There's some reason why this is good. I don't know um, what it is yet, but, but there is a goodness here. So... Anywho, um, the Savakia Accords. Wait, what is it? Holy shit. Yeah. I'm tired. The, oh, no, you said Slovakia. Uh, oh, man. Gosh, the, I have had five um, years. Um, okay, so this country. Sokovia. 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 Like, a boy is killed who wanted to do some good stuff. Like, people, innocent people died because of what the Avengers did. What boy? Uh, do, you, do you remember the mom who says her son was about to start with Intel or something, but he wanted to like take a, take a um, couple months before he started to go yeah. and like, do some good work. Yeah. And but she blamed the, that was for the alien invasion. He died during the New York no, invasion. No, right? no, he died. No? He was in, um, he was in Sokovia. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, uh, Sokovia. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember it. Sokovia. Is that where yeah. he died? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's the whole, that's what starts all of it. That's why they call it. I will not, that's not why they call it, but yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I'm picking up and what you're picking down. There's, and I'm like, like, she's not wrong. Like, to be like, hey, man, like, you guys created this thing. It went crazy. Granted, that's not your fault, but you still 
Creed is now my son's dead because of this. Okay, but let me say in response to you, Luke, and let me tell you, I'm getting mad at you, and this podcast should end because of our differences on the MCU. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? We're like, screw you. We're done. That, I'm done. That is what would end this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a big fight about this. But I will say this. Who invented Ultron? And why did he invent it? It's all, Thanos. I know. No, 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 no. It's Tony. No, it's the Mind Stone. No, really. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go yeah, oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna, yeah. yeah, we're gonna, yeah we're but gonna, it was all Tony trying to prevent the war before it happens. But I'm not, and that's but, the problem. But the whole point of the, of the Civil War film is that Tony, he recognizes that. And he goes, we need to be kept in check. Yeah, no, but he still wants it to happen, which is why he creates vision. Should we? No, that happens before the accords. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens before the accords, but Tony doesn't, Tony creates Ultron. They're dealing with it, and then he creates the vision, or he tries to create vision. But I'm saying, I, I, I no, and I agree. I'm, I'm not arguing that. My point is that. <laughs> we really do this. Is I really want to make I, this into a yeah, real fake I love, fight. I love that this is happening. Um, I agree with Tony in the Civil War film, which is after all of that stuff happens yeah, because, because he's wrong. had his come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think at the very least, Steve should have tried to like negotiate with them. Okay, I'll tell you why I think he would have. Because he's erring on the side. Like, I can agree if there really were superpowers. I can't believe we're having this discussion. <laughs> I love it. I love what, it. What does America Magazine say? If there really were superpowers. Can't do super- this on Pint with Aquinas, can you? <laughs> Thomas would answer that. Um, if there really were superpowered beings, that, okay, some oversight would be required. But the power is inherent within them, right? Captain America is just a super strong dude. He's not a weapon. He's just super strong. That's true. Yeah. So his whole argument is, if I see a situation going sideways, I have to intervene. Sometimes I wish I couldn't. He feels like he has a moral. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tony Stark says, no, you don't. And he says, you're right. I don't. Because that's his nature. His nature is when the little guy is getting beaten up, he has to stop that. Right? So the argument is essentially... Does the government have a right to tell people whether they can or cannot intervene in a moral situation? And Captain America is saying, it's not about vigilantism. It's the fact that I have this tremendous power. I have to. I am compelled to use it for the good. And Tony Stark saying, yeah, but we're going to put that good under authority and there's an element that's good like okay we do have to regulate like you you can't just go out and stomp across all these different nations taking out hydra and blah 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 violating sovereignty like are you american are you not like what is the sokovia Accords going to say but then the problem is then what they don't become is independent individuals trying to intervene morally but they just become another branch of the military Right, they become, oh, well, we want you to go here, so you go here. And Captain America is saying, that's a, there's greater immoral pitfalls for that, right? Because if we just become a lapdog of the United States or the United Nations, we are just controlled by the ideology of the day 
or the people in power. And he said, and if I'm looking at something that's evil and it's my own government doing something evil, I have to intervene, which is what civil war starts on, does it not? Where he goes against S.H.I.E.L.D. and destroy, or not civil war, that was the Winter Soldier. Uh, you th- thinking, yeah, that's true. It, Right. So that but that but that's important to understand, like he's willing to burn America down or excuse me, the American government for the sake of his moral ideals. And Tony thinks that American the American government or way of life or whatever, you know, governmental authority is and and that continuity is worth sacrificing your moral ideals, at least to a point. And that's why I side with Captain America 10 times out of 10. Uh, he shouldn't there's no reason to go after bucky what do you mean go after bucky you mean save bucky's life from people trying to kill him for things he didn't do where am i going with this uh i'll tell you where you're going straight to hell you can go straight (laughs) to hell motherfucker i I think you can go straight (laughs) i think i'm mad that he chose bucky over uh uh it could just be that i don't feel like those those two actors actually have good chemistry together so i don't really buy that they're best friends like i i like we believe the captain cares about um bucky because captain america because the script tells us to not because like there's i don't know i just don't buy that there is like you go rewatch that first one like my wife does a little bit too often it makes me concerned about our marriage (laughs) you go rewatch that first captain america where he comes out of that chamber all buff and stuff and kind of liquidy i don't understand why he's so sweaty why is he so sweaty it was it was moist in there it was moist. It was a hot chamber. Luke, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for that. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've, got, I've got one that's oh. good. Luke, why don't you ask me a question? What do you do when you have a priest who makes poor decisions? Not um, Nothing morally wrong, just not wise or prudent. The decisions end up costing the parish a lot of time and money that could be used much more effectively. I have um, thoughts on this. Mm. Who Mm. said this? Which one of our... This is from Michelle. Michelle. Okay, I just found it. What do you do when you have a priest who makes poor decisions? Nothing morally wrong, just not wise or prudent. Decisions end up costing the parish a lot of time and money that could be used much more effectively. Um, Okay, so I'm going to play the Patrick Lynchoni card. And say, if any priest, it doesn't matter if it's a big or small parish, does not have a leadership team, he's required by canon law to have some sort of past. Uh, excuse me, I just burped. Easy there. Easy. Yeah. Um, Watch so out. He, he's required by the code of canon law to have some sort of pastoral parish team. But the leadership team should be to help counterbalance his weaknesses. If he's an arrogant jerk who doesn't want to have any one question his judgment uh you have to do a lot of fasting and praying and it'll be a very purgative experience and there's no way around it if you have a priest who administers from the heart and the position of arrogance who will not listen to anyone criticizing him even if it's from a place of love then you have an infant who is running the show and you just have to fact i mean then i would tell you your proper position towards that priest is uh weekly fasting and daily prayer uh the only thing i would add to that which is implied is obedience because um and that you just have to kind of even if even if you don't agree with it like it's ultimately the priest it's his responsibility 
and uh, he's the one who's in charge. It's not. It's not a democracy. It's actually his moral re his moral re responsibility for his decisions. So, um, and I was going to add one more thing, and I think it's I think it's good to bring it up to to the priest, but only if you are in a position where you can do that, because I I think there is a thing where you we I think we need all at times need to almost like back off of our priest if it's not our role. Because just imagine having a thousand people coming at you saying, "This yeah. is stupid. This is stupid. You know, this is like this is good. This is like it just, um, yeah. I just think it gets like. Listen, I'm all about like democracy. I think it's great, but there does come a point in time when it's just like sometimes you can give the people too much of a voice because it's just too much. It's too yeah. overwhelming and really ends up like hurting more than it helps. Yeah, and going. Uh, very specifically, if a priest isn't doing, if the priest is doing something immoral, you need to report him to your your bishop. Oh, hundred percent. There has 100%, to be a paper trail. Hundred percent. Do not not do that. Right? Like, no. Yeah. And that's that. I think that's the difference between like now, if 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 it's just kind of like a, this is a bad choice as opposed to an immoral thing. Saint Thomas Aquinas said that when you are choosing a bishop before he is holy, the secondary quality. The primary quality needs to be prudential judgment. Um, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, saying essentially, if a bishop is prudent, he can allow the holiness to flourish within his diocese because he doesn't become a stumbling block to it. If a bishop is imprudent but holy, he could actually cause a lot of people to rebel against the faith and against pursuing holiness. So, for a priest who is making poor prudential decisions, um, Father John, when we had him on Seek, he made that comment. I don't know if you picked that up. He said, a priest is not uh, required. What, what was the line he said? The governance of the material needs of the church, or material possessions of the church, doesn't necessarily fall under the priest's charism or something along those lines. Like the office doesn't involve the governance of the churches of the parish's material goods so he was advocating for like even if you have to bounce from church to church to church your focus should be on the spiritual authority that you have not on making every business decision within the church Mm -hmm. and i think there are a lot of priests who went to college seminary and they never held a real job they're not second career priests and so they don't know how to balance budgets, and they just expect the people to pay and all of these things. And they get I, – I heard one of the worst money sermons ever on a, a trip where this priest basically said um, – I mean, he, he basically ridiculed his people for not giving enough. You can't do that because some people are giving more than they should, more than they can, and they're doing it sacrificially. And they feel like you're talking to them just as much as the person who's given nothing. So I, I think some priests are just assholes when it comes to this stuff. They don't know how to deal with money. They don't know how to. So they just make poor decisions. So, I mean, at our church, we have uh, a finance council and a pastoral council and a leadership team. So my priest is surrounded by three layers of of prudential leadership. And if he can listen to them prayerfully then i think you can make really good and really informed decisions so patrick lencioni the better pastor understanding leadership teams i think is 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 crucial 
Luke, uh, can I answer the marijuana thing? Yeah, yeah, go. Uh, I think all uh, this might shock you, listener, but I think all drugs should be legalized, and we shouldn't invest our money in enforcement of drug policies, but rather in if we're going to invest any money in the drug war, it should be on addiction recovery. Portuguese did that. Portuguese, excuse me, Portuguese. Portugal did that. They legalized all drugs. So if you want to recreationally abuse anything, you can. And they invested it entirely in like rehab and therapy and stuff. And their drug deaths and addiction rates plummeted. And I think that that could mm-hmm. be a huge thing. And if people are smoking weed, I'm going to tell you this to all those people who think they're totally fine smoking weed, it impairs you. It impairs you. So if you well, get behind I mean, I a car. I just want to add a thing really, really quick. Yeah. One thing, too, about, like, a lot of weed out there now, when I was saying, like, can it be used right. in moderation, one of the big one of the big issues is that, like, like, so much of the weed that is out there isn't like the way weed used to be. So it's got, like, PCP or, like, tons of other – or PhD yeah. or whatever, tons of other stuff Synthetic in it. marijuana. marijuana yeah, so it's so – much heavier and like the impact of it is so much greater than what it used to be that it's some people think it's impossible to do it now in moderation right and so with that if you're if you're smoking some maui wowie right if you're smoking some of that sweet old timey reefer that i have never touched in my entire life and don't intend to i don't care if it's legal or not if you are doing it to get intoxicated, if you're drinking in order to get drunk and that's it, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you're doing it all the time, there's a problem there that you're not addressing. There is a pain in your life that you are not responding to. Uh, I love it. I'll, okay. The reason why you love it it's, is because you become addicted to the pleasure. Right. And so I think there's an element of self-awareness when it comes to this stuff. Um, let me say something about medicinal marijuana. 100% legalize all medicinal marijuana now. There are some pains, chronic pains and um, terminal pains that people feel, like terminal patients, that they feel um, nausea and certain things that cripple people. We're not talking mm-hmm. about, oh, my stomach's rumbly blumbly. We're talking about, like, every time I sit up, I feel like vomiting uncontrollably. That as far as scientists can deal with, marijuana seems to be the only remedy and there are other ways of taking marijuana there's pill forms and all that stuff that reduce the hallucinogenic compound and other things but still allow the good effects to occur i'm 100 in favor of that 100 i'm more libertarian when it comes to this stuff i am too no i'm but I'm i will too. say i will say this and i was i was saying this earlier if you smoke weed it impairs you it impairs your ability to drive uh and if you get behind the wheel, I remember a police officer saying, I'm against the legalization of marijuana because I'm scared what happens to someone behind the wheel because it's harder to detect and moderate than alcohol. Like, you can have two beers and say, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, I've had a second beer. I'm going to get some food and some water, hmm. and I'm going to hang out for another hour. Whereas if you smoke weed and how it affects your you know, being in your system and all this stuff, it's not as easily dosable as alcohol. So that's my problem. Yeah, I know. You're not wrong, my friend. 
uh, ever read anything by um, Michael O'Brien. Nope. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's good though. Is is it good? I read what was it called? The Sword. Uh, oh man, it was Saint Michael. Oh man, I'm gonna have to Amazon this stuff. But he had a book. Brian, here we go. Here we go. In books. Ba 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 ba. Island of the World. No apocalypse. Father Elijah. Very excited about that one, but I never read it. These are the days of Elijah. Dun dun. Dun, dun. So Michael O'Brien had a crazy story. Like he used to be like a, a like a New York Times author or something like that, and he it, he was like a journalist, and he had this massive conversion to his Catholic faith. So I read the book. Yeah, there it is, Prayer of the Warrior by Michael Brown, nineteen ninety seven. I read it when I was sixteen, and it affected me sexually. Anywho, he does a lot of end time stuff. I'm not into any Catholic end times because they're all a bunch of liars. So <laughs> yeah, you're I, re- I remember reading these end times. Books. I was super into them. And I'm reading all of these. And then I got this one book and my mom's like, oh, my gosh, this will change you. So I read it. And it's just like every other one. But this one was really anti-Semitic. <laughs> and I was like, mom, what is about this? She's like, oh, I just ignored that part. And I'm like, what do you mean you ignored that part? Ignore that part. <laughs> it's like one of three theses of the book. <laughs> you just ignore that. Yeah, I mean, but that's what people do, right? Like, if you don't like something, you just kind of yeah. filter it out. My mom filtered it out, and I'm like, hey, girl, like, I don't think you can. <laughs> I am very impressed with the baby boomers' ability to compartmentalize. It's uh, They're much better than we are. Much better at that. Uh, have you discovered any good any uh, good music recently that oh, isn't <laughs> Christian? I knew you were going to ask that question. The answer is, other than kids bop kids, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I actually have. Uh, give me a second here. Uh, hold, please. Oh, uh, there's a, there is a um, new Copeland album out, so I'm super excited about that. Super excited. Uh, what are you giving up it, for Lent, Luke? I don't know yet. I, I, I always wait till like, the day before, and then I never fall through. Can I tell um, you what I'm excited about? Yeah. We're going to do give up, pick up offer up at my church oh you do i like that cool yeah so it's give up is a fast pick up is a spiritual discipline and offer it up is a communal intention of the parish but we're trying to do like really hardcore well not really hardcore but more hardcore things so give like the very first give up is give up all meat but it's only for a week and that's for the unchurched and then the next one is give up a luxury item and we let you pick what that luxury item is hot showers watching television whatever it might be give that up for a week spiritual discipline is adopt the evening examination of conscience and then the offer it up for that is the de church the people who have left the church so we do things like a parish communal fasting spiritual adoption or spiritual discipline adoption and a single intention that we're all directing it towards i'm excited that's fantastic Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, I back to the question. Uh, I've just got into a thing called um, Yay Blin or Blind. It's spelled uh, um, Y-A-Y-B-L-Y-N-N. Two words. And it's very cool. Very weird artisty kind of stuff. But I'm really enjoying it. Especially his song, What the Hell, I believe it's called. Yep, that's what it's called. Uh, it's It's cool. Is that like avant-garde it. jazz? No, it's just weird. Like he's like a singer songwriter guy. He's just weird as balls. Yep. 
So it's good though. I like it. What the I can hear you. I'm listening to it. There it is. Yeah. Man, I'm so excited for the new there's a new uh, Copeland album. I'm so excited for this because I love this band. <gasps> they have an explicit song. Ooh. <laughs> that never happens. My Catholic University is doing a production of the Vagina Monologues tomorrow. Love to hear your thoughts. I've never seen the Vagina Monologues, so I have no thoughts. I will tell you that I've seen the Vagina Dialogues, and I'm all in favor. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're better than all other podcasts. Where else are going to hear that joke? I'll tell you where else. Nowhere. Luke, Nowhere. Nowhere. Um, let's just screw. Let's just answer all of them. Uh, please discuss the document on on the human fraternity Pope Pope Francis signed in the UAE. Didn't read it. Um, I'm embarrassed to. Oh, this one's good. I'm embarrassed to <laughs> say this. Yeah, but I didn't I read really it either. Pray. But Jesus Christ did not will there to be a multiplicity of religions. I will give you somewhat Wait, <laughs> Judaism. What you, oh, oh, are you going back towards the... I am. I'm trying to answer it really quickly before you okay. go on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Ian, I think what Pope Francis said was more diplomatic than doctrinal. I think he wildly violated the Constitution, or the Constitution, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And really? I, oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. yeah. I mean, the, I. how can you say that God willed a plurality of religions? How can God will a plurality? Now, you could say, okay, this is how God can will it. He permitted it to happen, the permissive will of God, not the positive will of God. The positive will of God is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. Jesus Christ is not just the privileged way, Bishop Barron, is the sole way to heaven. And Pope Francis contradicted Vatican II, as well as the Catechism of the Catholic Church, as well as St. Thomas Aquinas' understanding of what is faith, the salvific act of faith, as well as St. Augustine, as well as the fathers of the church. I do not know how to defend Pope Francis in this, other than by saying, According to the ordinary magisterium of the church, I am due to submit my intellect and will to the Pope. However, not everything he says within the ordinary magisterium of the Catholic Church means that he is infallible. In this case, him signing that document was a ridiculous thing to do, and very few people, except for those who no longer know what they believe, will sign that document. This is exhausting. Like, this whole thing is freaking exhausting. exhausting. I'm so... Pope John Paul never would have signed it. Pope Paul VI never would have signed it. Pope John XXIII never would have signed these things. Why is Pope... I I understand why he's signing it. Because he wants to love these people and not have Christianity be an obstacle to them. And there is nothing but obstacles in the UAE. Like, they hate Christianity. The House of Saud... They hate Judaism, right? Yeah, the House of Saud in Saudi Arabia hates Christianity. They hate Shiite Islam. Of course they hate Christianity. Of course they hate Judaism. They hate it. They are they are Salafists. They are anti anything other than Salafism. Okay? In the UAE, a little bit different. They're not the House of Saud in Saudi Arabia, 
they're a little bit different, but they, they, I mean, they have shut down Catholic churches. They have arrested Shiites and killed them. They have done so many evil things that to say this is a, like, I understand the political, and I don't mean political in that cynical way, like, oh, it's all politics bullshit. I mean, like, this desire to work together for for unity, like, like the people used to talk about, I remember this guy from Croatia used to say, like, I had a Muslim next door neighbor. I never hated him until the collapse of Yugoslavia. Then my parents, like, we used to have his whole family over for dinner. When the collapse happened, my dad used to say things like, they're all dogs, they're not human. And he's like, how can you say that, like, you know, five years ago, we used to have them over once a week for dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and this idea of, I can be your neighbor and not want to kill you, hurt you. I can love you positively, but it's stupid to collapse. It's stupid to collapse the distinctions between our faiths. Like no Muslim in the world is sitting there being like, you know what? Roman Catholicism and Islam are the same thing. Like different approaches but the same thing variations on a common theme and that's not i'm sure pope francis wasn't thinking that or saying that but in reality that's what it looks like to the faithful and that's the problem and okay good night luke i love you all right love you too bud bye bye